and check one, two, like the DJs at the parties we used to have before COVID. We are sure. back to the Common Sense Report. Today I have Dan Toller. Did I, I didn't butcher your last name, hopefully, right? Is that how you say it? You nailed it, man. Did you, did you check out nervous. my show and hear me say it? Or I did. did I was just, just worried. I, I was just worried I wasn't going to say it right. You know, when you come in live, you get a little nervous. You know, you get, I'm going to say the right words, but thanks for coming on, Dan. Hey, thanks for having me, Manuel. So uh, Dan runs a podcast and, and tell us the name and a little bit about yourself and how long you've been doing it. Um, he's a uh, pop historian. So overall, overall history buff, I would say, right? I, I would say that's an accurate description. Oh. Yeah. So uh, a professional historian, actually, we were just talking about this before we went live. A we professional historian is someone who has access to like university level resources or government right. records or things of that nature. Um, and they do like original research. That's right. Um, what I do is I take publicly available sources, things that are written by actual historians and try and make that popular on my Absolutely. show. Awesome. It's called awesome. uh, Relevant History, by the way. You can find it on any major platform. Uh, and we have been doing that uh, since last August, uh, shows awesome. every two weeks. What got you, what got you started um, in history and then what led to the podcast? How, how'd you get started? Oh, well, I majored in political science when I was in college. I mean, I should say I've, I've always been a little bit of a history buff, but uh, majoring in political science at Notre Dame, I was able to take a few history courses and yeah. then uh, I just do a lot of reading in my spare time, which, you know, I've been out of school for, you know, 12 years now. So that's an awful lot of independent reading. And it, over time, I have learned a number of stories that I just haven't seen popularized. Mm, okay. And okay. Uh, like, I just did a, a three-part series on the history of Ethiopia. That's right. That's right. You know, history was my favorite subject. And I, and I, I, you know, it's one of those things where like you like something, but you don't know a lot about it. I feel like I'm that person. Like I really like history and I, and I did really well when I was like in elementary school cause I liked it, but I, I don't know enough to speak on it. You know, I hear you, man. I hear you. Um, there's just, when you use the term history, when you really think about like everything that humanity has ever done and written down like even if you've been studying quote unquote history for years there are always just so many things to learn and gaps to fill it's 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 a lifelong pursuit i can see that i mean it's been we, we've been around for quite some time and and we we only go based off of what's written right i mean can we there's not there's not much other ways to find out who we were, how, I mean, other than scientifically, right? Like if we uncover a fossil or a preserved ancient human, you know, like a caveman. Yeah. Yeah. Archaeology. That's right. There's no other real way to kind of, I mean, what's the, what's the most accurate way? Is that the most accurate way to kind of go back and, and find out who we were? From my perspective, it's almost more important. And I I've talked this to death on my show but it's it's almost more important what people believe mm. than what's actually uh the case if that makes sense yeah elaborate more on that so like is it because and this is i know this is common in the u.s a lot but 
a lot of different religions flying around. Um, does that play a part in believing history? And like, I, you know, it, it conflicts with their beliefs, so they don't want to see the facts or how does that work? Well, yeah, I mean, I wasn't even necessarily thinking of, of religion per se. I, th I think you could definitely go there. I mean, mm -hmm. like, you know, if you're like a hardcore Christian or a hardcore Muslim or something, it's obviously going to affect mm. how you see history. I was, I was thinking more like, uh, I guess it's kind of religious too, but like national myths. Um, well, uh, not necessarily nationalism, but like national founding myths. Like, mm, um, mm, okay, national founding myths. That's right. For instance, uh, in, in the United States, we have the, the story of, you know, George Washington being so honest that uh, <laughs> you're right. No, you're right. You're... You know, he, he, he told his dad about cutting down the tree. Well, that's obviously just totally made up. But it, yeah. if you know that early Americans told that story, it tells you something about what they believed, mm. if that makes sense. That does. That does. I mean, it goes it just goes hand in hand with like feel good stories in the Bible or other other religious books right you want to feel good about what you're reading about what you're hearing in the past uh, and, and i'm sure i mean our founding fathers owned slaves so you know how, how good could they have been right it's it's always so hard to judge people in the past i think mm. by today's standards okay because okay. i mean the, the the zeitgeist is always changing yeah, so like yeah. there's something, I don't know what it is, but there's something that you and I do every day and take That's, for yeah. granted. And 200 years from now, people are going to look back and be horrified and say, those barbarians, how could they do whatever the thing is that we can't even think of because we take mm -hmm. it for, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. To, to counter what you're saying there, though, would you say that there was always people like us? in different timelines you know how there was like segregation at one point was there always obviously this is after cavemen because we weren't primal but was there always people like us in every timeline where common sense kind of came over and said this yeah. isn't right or this is this isn't the way i want to live my life well yeah i mean to uh to use your example of of the early founding fathers and and many being slaveholders right at at the time many there were many in the north who were already abolitionists uh, now that okay. that issue kind of got tabled though when they wrote the constitution because at the time it was believed that slavery was not going to be economically viable for more than another generation and, and they'd just that? been through uh, the cost of housing the slaves right i mean obviously they were not treated okay. well but it still costs something they have to be fed and some kind of clothing at a bare minimum mm. uh, the okay. cotton that they were producing was uh, losing value and uh, in part that was because of uh, cotton plantations elsewhere in the world uh, creating competitions so you had uh, cotton growing in egypt and in the sudan in uh, in the british empire so it was an well, industry for sure world worldwide industry yeah, yeah, there was global competition and the slave labor in the U.S. was just no longer competitive. Okay, uh, and, and, then, and then shortly thereafter, Eli Whitney invents the cotton gin, right. becomes 
marketable again. And nobody anticipated that uh, when, the, when the Constitution was being written. Yeah, so I, I think to your point, you know, had, had conditions been different, maybe maybe some of those abolitionists would have stood up. Yeah. OK, so it, it was it was on its way out eventually. But uh, again, I always say I, I feel like there's always guys like us or, or women like us, um, you know, that end up in their time period and going, wait, this is weird. Right. This isn't this isn't right. This is odd. I mean, in, in every timeline, I'm assuming. But I think. Oh, this, yeah. And what's your opinion on this? I, I'm curious. As we evolve as a species, do we get better, or would you say this is the same kind of you know um, timeline we're repeating just in modern times, like with technology? Hmm. Over time, I'd, you got to think we've gotten better to some extent, right? I, yeah, I would say for sure, absolutely. I mean, like when you think about you know to take an issue like. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the way we we deal with criminal justice you think about the government today and the worst punishment anybody can receive is the death penalty mm-hmm. now that in itself is controversial and a lot of countries don't even give the death penalty anymore but even in in 90 percent of cases that that's the worst thing the government could do but you just go back a few hundred years and being dead was not the punishment that was the sweet release after whatever horrible thing they were going to do to you that's right right. and like nobody does that kind of thing today not that that we're aware of right (laughs) or at least least we we hope countries at least you know for now because well yeah you you had some guys like isis and stuff but yeah a couple lunatics around the world but overall yeah we're, we're a lot better on that segment I, I 100% agree with that. I think as, as we progress forward, and, and, and I know this isn't a popular thing to say, but and maybe it is. Uh, as you get younger in generations, I'm seeing just more improvement. I mean, obviously, there's some issues to take up, but not, not nothing crazy, right? I mean, it, you see uh, uh, people questioning more things, um, things evolving, like the work life, like the work day. Hopefully, in 10 or 20 years, we'll be working four days, not six, right? Um, just as, as, as the youth come up and, and start taking these positions of power, hopefully within the next decade or two, um, I, I think we'll see an improvement. I, th- I think you're right. I think you're right. And, and it's, I do wonder though, how much that has to do with people actually being better mm. or people having the resources to be better. I mean, you think about like a shorter work week, for instance. Yeah. Like if you're just hunter gatherers, you have to expend a lot of time and energy just to survive. And there is no work week at that point, right? It's just, I'm hungry. Let's go. <laughs> right. You know, right. Grab, grab the bow and arrow. We're, we're hunting. Yeah, exactly. And we're, it, it, yeah. So modern times, I guess, adjust, but, and that, that plays into a, a good question because of the younger, you know, the youth and generation of the technology we have, um, has social media changed how future generations will, will see our times? You know, we're recording everything now. Everything's on video, on audio. You know, we can reference now. We don't have to rely on books and pages. Yeah, that is, that is so true. I, I think social media has done two things, actually. First, what, what you just said. Uh, it 
frees us from the obligation to rely on one or two sources, right? Okay, that's right. Um, and the other thing that might not seem as important, but I think it may be even more important, is it adds color to all the events. Mm. In what way? Just uh, we're, we're talking about like just for the seeing both sides, or or what, what specifically? Well, when I read a, a history book, mm -hmm. for instance, uh, a, a story about an event, like the thing that makes that experience much more interesting than, you know, just say reading the summary about it on Wikipedia are all the little details that go into the story. So like to, to use a, a, a recent example, like you, you look at all the, the pictures and videos from inside the Capitol riot. Now, if you didn't have those and I just told you, dude, I was I was there and I wrote down everything I saw. And there was this crazy guy like dressed up like a shaman wearing a bear hat standing in Nancy Pelosi's desk. Like, you would never believe that. Yeah. Or, you, or know, you would have you know, to start imagining, OK, who, you know, is this guy real or. Yeah. 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 Right, is, is it just some legend people made up? Yeah. But, like, is this a mythical beast? Of course. Of course. It, it, it's harder to, to tell the story when you're writing it. But yeah, now, now when a hundred years from now, people look back and tell that story, they're going to say, yeah, there was this crazy dude there with the bear hat. And we, you can see, here's a picture of it. Isn't that weird? Like it will yeah. cement that thing in people's memories in a way That's that right. just kind of dryly recounting the event, you know, it can just slip through your brain. That's right. And, and he ended up needing organic food. So that's a, that's another nice detail to add to the story in a hundred <laughs> years. He shopped at Whole Foods and he was, uh, you know, a capital riot. Those don't usually equate or come together at the same time. Like a, you know, like a Prius owner with a gun rack on the top of his car. That doesn't really happen. Right. Well, you, you know, you, with, with a couple of those guys, you, you almost wonder if there wasn't a little bit of mental illness going on. I'm going to say uh, most of them, the majority right. of them. Yes. I'm going to say like 80 to 90%, maybe even more, maybe higher, but living in the country we do. And, and you were, were you born in the U S I was, I was, yes. Awesome. Same here. So then yourself? you know, yeah. So, you know, this, you know, the story of our country. So, I mean, it just going on mental illness, a lot of it's untreated just because of the way our system works with healthcare. You know, if you're not, if you're not covered and you're not dying, they're not making money. So a lot of these oh, guys absolutely. go unchecked and they end up in the Capitol writing or they end up, you know, on QAnon websites or, you know, mailing bombs and packages. And, you know, it, it, it goes it goes a long way. But like you said, we'll be able to document this with pictures, videos uh, for future generations. You know, my great grandkids, if I, ever, if I do meet them, I'll show them the, the video on my iPhone uh, 100. <laughs> right. iphone 95 or whatever you know hey, what, what life expectancy is getting longer man you never know hey man i don't i don't want to live i don't want to live forever but you know i do kind of want to be like the old japanese man on the mountain you know 200 years old next to a, a cherry tree there's a cherry blossom there we go you know handing yeah. out wisdom to the youth but we'll see how we look in 100 years man <laughs> hopefully as good as we do now Hey, might might be doing your podcast from Mars or something like that, right? As long as Elon Musk is uh, is handing out the Dogecoin, then I'll I'll be there, man. <laughs> right. I I think that you know, talking about future historians, 
he's going to be he, he's going to have his own chapter oh, absolutely. In, in the future history books like what absolutely. he's doing is just so visionary it is it is and and but on the on the flip side i think what people forget too is he's still he's still a modern billionaire which is uh, which would segue into my next topic because i know in the past we've had i mean we've had plenty of uh, tycoons obviously the workplace has gotten better with unions and regulations we don't have five-year-olds you know working the spin machine anymore assembling cars um, right, but right. wealth inequality throughout history uh talk to me is this a cycle that just keeps happening the french revolution with the let them eat cake and then they pulled out the guillotines we're getting to that point now just because you have a lot of desperate people in our country that aren't making it right they're falling between the cracks they're not paid Absolutely. well how do you how do you see this playing out just from your study of history well there's i think inequality as you said is cyclical right because mm. it doesn't necessarily have to be as straightforward as as naked wealth i think mm. that's more unique to capitalism which is a historical phase we're going through if you go, in other words, if you, if you go back to earlier societies, you can find different types of hierarchies, uh, like right. the Romans were all about honor. Uh, you had mm. Crassus, the, the richest man in Rome, go off on a suicide mission against the Parthians trying to win military honor. Because okay. so even though he was the monetary. richest dude. Yeah, yeah, there was. Yeah, but there was a hierarchy. That's right. And did, has class existed? I mean, obviously, this it, it would within the last couple, few hundred years, right? I want to say class has existed as oh, yeah. kings, queens, but going further back to like when, and I'm not saying he's real because I'm not religious, but let's say Jesus was around. Were there, was there class in Jerusalem at that time? Like I'm the poor class, or was it just peasants? And you know, the hierarchy of being in the royal family. Well, in uh, looking at Jer Jerusalem in particular, okay, so you're talking about a Roman province. Yes. Uh, so you would have had a few different classes. Yeah, you would have had the the upper class. There would have been a the local Judean nobility, the the Herodic house or uh, Herodic okay. dynasty, uh, and they would have been. You know, if you think of like uh, nobility in the Middle Ages or the French aristocracy they would have held sort of a similar position. Okay. Uh, then there would have been the Romans. Uh, they, I don't know how you would have classified them in, in, in a modern class system. They're, they're, they're an occupying military force, but kind of a benign one at the time. And then, and then you, yeah, you had everybody else. And what you didn't have back then was much of a middle class mm. um, you had. And, and now too, right? I mean, now it's like yeah, you said, right? cycles. Well, yeah, because we're we're going back to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I no, I mean to your point, I I think I think the the one cycle that can be identified is that inequality grows until a certain point when it becomes toxic to the host society. Okay, and but in this society that we live in now, it, do you think it'll be different because? we're seeing wealth that we've never seen before but also controls we've never seen before like i mean let's uh, this is overplayed but let's use it anyways right amazon 
I shop there all the time. I don't support their wage practices, but I'm like, same man, same. It's, it's so hard. You know what I mean? It's so hard. Like I, I hate that they're not one click well. ordering. You know, one what I mean? click like, order. It's just so it's, easy. <laughs> oh, this shouldn't feel good. You know, I, I want to support rights and, and, and workers, and I still do all the time. I, I'm pro union and et cetera, et cetera. But with all these big companies, well, actually, not all, there's only a few now controlling the majority of resources, the majority of services. Do you think this plays out different? I think what we need to watch are, uh, is, is uh, primarily how do we deal with automation? Because mm. that's that's the thing that's uh that's different this time around right they say history isn't uh it doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes it's like different variations on the same theme that's right Uh, and and with the automation variable well it could be really good like you talked about shortening the work week well what if over the next four generations the work week just gets shorter and shorter and shorter until everything's automated and then well that's that's Marx's prediction coming true just a little bit later, right? Capitalism yeah. leading directly to the birth of a society without any resource limitations. But on the other hand, if you continue tying income to employment past a certain point, you just end up with, what, five trillionaires and everybody else's off farming in the dirt like i'm not sure what that would look like and that's what i that's what i wonder and the reason i ask is because i feel like we're headed that way but we're headed i feel like when people get to that point with the let them eat cake stage and i'm sorry for using that it's just so easy to remember right no no it's Um, a great line it, it just like when you get to that point right you usually have workers rising up but in this age of social media and technology where you can divide people it's almost like the peasants are fighting each other over crumbs and, and like, and, and this is a reference that I use a lot, which, you know, it's not very, they, they're poster boys or poster girls for, for billionaires that don't represent their interest and they just end up going after each other. Right. So when it gets to the let them eat cake stage, you have a divided population where they should be united. Right. Well, you, you even had that in the French revolution though. You had uh, large pockets of the country. Mm that was not that were not supportive of the revolution it it was amazing that the revolutionaries were ever successful because they had to fight not just like the other crown heads of europe losing their minds (laughs) over this revolution in france they had to fight uh peasant rebellions uh mostly in in the the northwest part of the country but it was like a very rural uh very very religious uh traditional part of the country and uh, there, there was a lot of backlash there about, uh, I, I want to say rough, roughly the first year, year and a half of the revolution was mostly spent like putting down that rebellion. Interesting. Interesting. For, so so they, it already existed in this division of like peasants against peasants. And I hate using that reference, but I mean, that's like, you know, that's technically what we are when you compare the, the middle, not even the middle class isn't there anymore. I mean, like the regular lower class to trillionaires and billionaires you see a major division and and I have people even on my social media where I know they can't be making over 50 K. And I think I said this last show and you see them against minimum wage against, you know, union unionization. Well, yeah, the, uh, like I've seen the argument floating around on social media that, uh, 
you know, if you raise the uh, minimum wage to $15 an hour, well, everybody will just be making 15 an hour. No, that just raises the floor. And yep. then to remain competitive, companies will go above that. What do you think that is, though? Do you think that is that a modern issue or and I, I don't like using social media as a play, but I know it's a tool for companies and oligarchs, billionaires, trillionaires um, to use to divide regular people by hiring troll farms, by hiring people to post comments in opposition of whatever the post is and to get people on their side. Oh yeah. It is uh, the dangerous thing about that is, is precisely how opaque it is, right? Mm. Like we don't even know when a troll farm is out there operating, right? Like you see Twitter every now and then, you know, they'll take down like, you know, a whole bunch of uh, puppet accounts that are amplifying some conspiracy theory or whatever. But, you know, okay, they've been online for like six months. So what have they been up to that whole time? Yep. Yep. So essentially sleeper cells. Yeah. Well, well, okay. Here's a, here's another question. I have not heard anybody ask mm-hmm. who's Q. Mm. Oh, QAnon. Why, why, yeah, yeah, why? Yeah. Like this guy's dropping all these conspiracy theory posts on on 4chan, getting people right. all riled up. You yeah, got to yeah. imagine like the FBI is looking into who this guy is, right? Or, or maybe it's not even a guy. Maybe it's multiple people or, or a woman. I mean, nobody knows. Organization. Yeah, I mean, right? Yeah, it's it's definitely targeted because I mean it, it's a right wing conspiracy house. I guess you can say, because it doesn't target anybody on the right. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely something that you start to think about. Is this all a plot, a ploy to get, you know, people against each other, uh, to get the spotlight off the issue of that wages haven't kept up since the 70s or even the 60s, that, you know, people are more and more people are unemployed. Um, they're the youth are having trouble buying houses like it's you know it's going from like a great you know you know the the photos from the 70s like yeah i worked at the post office and bought this two-story five-bedroom house right and my wife stayed home and i bought a car every two years and it's like that's great but i mean where does like you know where, where does that lead us now like that same generation cut off the resources after them and they were like figure it out on your own well, you know, part of it, too, was the boomers got complacent, like America after World War Two. Yeah. You, you got to remember, like pretty much the rest of the world was like devastated by that war, like Europe yeah, and the yeah. Soviet Union was all bombed to smithereens. They they spent the next couple decades just rebuilding. Well, all that time, America's virtually untouched. Industry's all intact. It is very easy to be super competitive with the rest That's of the right. world. And well, yeah, yeah, there's there's this idea that sets in that, you know, this is all a result of American can do ingenuity and we're always going to be on top. It's that, not how yeah, it works. That, that mindset. No, and, and it's true. I mean, I know I said nationalism earlier and that was an error, but now I can bring it up here and it, it goes <laughs> hand in hand with that. Like, we live in a, in a country where, like you said, America first, we're at the top. And if anything is said in opposition to that, it becomes a, a complete shit show. Like, how could you, 
hate the country? Are you against us? Like, are you, you know, do you, you should leave. It, it, it's really odd. And I, I didn't really catch it growing up, obviously, because you're a kid, you don't cue into these things. But the whole time you're growing up, you're being fed this like pro US, pro nationalism diet, right? Of history and of the national anthem and stand up, respect the flag and the troops are doing a great job. And it, it, it's just interesting to see when you grow up and you're like, wait, not everything is as it was painted. Well, I, th I think when you have a country that is not working for its people, you're mm. you're going to lose that sense of nationalism and that sense of backing. I mean, a good example is when you think of like uh, dictators. Mm -hmm. I know it's a weird thing to, to bring up in reference to a democracy, but you think even dictators, right, they're constantly working on their propaganda. They're constantly mm -hmm trying to build up public support because the country relies on people believing in it. That's right. And, That's right. and, and I, th I think what we're seeing is, is people are not believing in the United States anymore. And well, who can blame them? <laughs> I mean, if you see, you know, European countries um, moving forward in a lot faster speed than we are, you start to wonder, you know, are we, the third you know the modern third world country now like the next one coming up it makes me wonder you know a, a lot's a lot's going to depend on china too mm, mm, that's a big powerhouse and and that's an economic powerhouse because they can make anything for nothing you know pennies on the dollar in in two other countries nobody's talking about or hardly anybody india and brazil mm, india's population alone can yeah yeah Right. And, and when you look at, you know, the pace of in industrialization and everything like that. Yeah. They're just getting started. You know, they're they're like where China was 20 years ago. Watch out. Yeah, <laughs> India you're, is no, coming. you're right. You're right. India and India has the population to back the manufacturing like hands down. They're so overpopulated, but that's a strength on their on their side. I mean, because as they're industrializing they have the population to fit those jobs well yeah i mean china's gonna run into trouble over that uh because of their one child policy mm, yeah. uh, they're 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 running into a a, a, a demographic uh, decline shortly and it was wasn't it that the majority or there's like a, a higher majority of men like a concentration of men because of that policy in china yeah yeah because uh there's a, a cultural taboo against leaving property to uh, daughters. Mm. So if you, if you wanted to sort of continue the family line, you had to have a son. And well, if you were only allowed to have one child, uh, mm. that, that yeah. meant you weren't having any girls. That's right. Imagine though, imagine. And, and that goes to say that we've come a long way. I know I've said, I said earlier, like, you know, how, how far have we come? We have come quite a, quite a ways. Cause I, you know, not, not, not so right. far, you know, I would, I wouldn't say we're, we're as far forward as we need to be, but at least people my age and younger, um, you know, they're not thinking I got to have a son. Cause if I have a daughter, I can't leave property. To her. Right. It, it, exactly. Yeah. Little steps. It's baby steps. And, and to your point, I want to ask, I know you mentioned earlier that if you don't learn from past mistakes, you're doomed to repeat them. Um, is it, is that true? Like, does that ring true to you? I, I mean, I would say so, because the 
the one constant through all of history is is what it's people right mm-hmm. and that's and right. people are going to do in, in any given situation they're going to do what they're going to do absolutely power power and uh power and greed i mean we're <laughs> we're an interesting form of uh of apes that like shiny things and uh, and power right. amen to that well it it, it right, it go, goes back to status right yeah no it does you want that you want to be the the highest ape on the on the biggest tree <laughs> uh, you start thinking about it like that man we're just a bunch of primates on this uh on this earth you know you're trying to get the highest tree with the fanciest uh shiny things and we want power right. amen and 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 power for my tribe yeah uh, or we're, even we're... like power for me like you know just power for themselves like for me and the so to to lighten it up a little bit though what are your two er- favorite eras of history i know you mentioned rome earlier and you were you were well informed when it came to that what what two what area of history do you like to to research the most or do you know the most about well yeah i would say definitely rome because uh, my interest in that is driven by it's it's sort of the most ancient society that we can look at almost through a modern lens. That's right. Uh, there's a, a lot of parallels in Roman history and American history in particular. But we also have like crazy amounts of writing that we don't have, you know, for most other societies, at, at least not in the English language, you know, until like a thousand years later. That's so I have a question for you about Rome. And and tell me if this is true. I might be misinformed. Shoot, here. It, it where the lead was the lead pipes thing a, a real thing? Did they really have lead pipes for their water and aqueducts? That was a real thing. As a matter of fact, the uh, English word plumbing is uh, from the Latin word plumeria, which means uh, lead works. Oh boy, how, how did that happen? Like, was it just that's what was available at the time, or did someone say, "Hey, that's a." That's a good material we should use. How did it happen? I'm honestly not 100% sure how exactly that came to be used. Lead was one of the earliest metals discovered by human beings. Mm, okay. So, uh, and, and, and it has a relatively low melting temperature. So if you're trying to do like ancient uh, welding or repairs on a pipe, <laughs> that sounds that so would be easier to work with. Okay, awesome. No, that just sounds so funny the way you said ancient welding. You know, you think of like a yeah, <laughs> like well, those, a Roman. Those, those Romans knew how to build stuff, though. I mean, absolutely. Some of those aqueducts are, are still in use. Hopefully, not the lead ones, right? Or they're covered with something <laughs> right. else. Did did that no, lead they've, they've to the been downfall? You know, I've read some theories from uh, some historians that uh, a lot of the madness in the later emperors was due not necessarily to the lead and the plumbing, Mm -hmm. but there was this uh, sauce. It was this really sweet honey sauce. I think it was called garum. I might be wrong about that, but uh, it was like, you know how Americans are like obsessed with ketchup? Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, I'm obsessed with ketchup, right? Oh, me too. I'm I'm guilty. I love it. I love. It. Hopefully, hopefully we don't end up like end up like the Romans. But go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> well, no. They would they would make this stuff this this honey sauce, and uh, the way it was made was in a lead pot, 
And some of these emperors were just eating tons of this stuff. And, you know, you look at the symptoms of lead poisoning, like delusions and paranoia, and you look at the behavior of some of these guys and you start to go, hmm. That's right. That's right. Oh, my God. So so this sauce, they were making it in lead pots. And then, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Isn't it crazy that I think about because like put put me and you right back in Roman uh, times there without the knowledge we have now, how like there's no way to know. There's right. no way to know. You're going to start thinking like, like if, if say I'm the one that goes mad, right. I'm going to start thinking you're a witch or like uh, you're, you're a magician or you're, you know, you're like, or a sorcerer. Sorry. Back then I wouldn't be a magician or, you know, like or if I start seeing things, right. If I'm like hallucinating based off something I ate, there's no way to tell. Like, how are you going to know? Oh yeah. That's a, a hallucinogenic berry or plant. No, what I would be seeing is what I'm assuming is real. Right. That's and that leads me to like the b- biblical era, how like the burning bush and like the parting seas. I mean, how, <laughs> how many people were hallucinating on substances they didn't know were having those effects on them? Well, really, I mean, you look at a lot of a lot of religions. I'm, I'm thinking mostly of uh, you know traditional tribal religions use hallucinogens as a routine part of religious worship. Mm. Like ayahuasca, right? Or ayo- how do you say that? Ayahuasca. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was thinking of ayahuasca specifically. Yeah. yeah. When I said that, have never had the opportunity myself. One, hey, one day. Closer though, we're getting. I think we're getting closer on that front. Like with natural hallucinogenics becoming legal. Well, uh, what was it? Oregon, I think. Yeah, decriminalized. Was Decriminal- it all drugs or or certain ones? All drugs. Yeah, all That's drugs. Right. That's the way to go. They're, man. We they're going full people. on Portugal. Right, they go or they're going full on modern, you know, modern country, but in a state. I, I just, but I, back to that, back to that biblical reference. So it, it's just interesting to think about, and you know, don't don't say this to a religious person unless you're ready to get into, you know, into a good argument. But it's just interesting to think about. We had no knowledge back then. I mean, if I came to you and I told you, hey, I saw, I saw this man part the seas, and I told you in detail how it happened. And if I was sincere enough, you would look at me like I was being honest. Oh, yeah, that's crazy, man. That's insane. Are you kidding me? I, I, I just saw a burning bush last week. I, I, I saw it myself, and it was there. And if I describe it in detail again, and you know I'm not normally a liar, I mean, you're going you're gonna to take me for my word. Oh, yeah, this is an honest man. I've never seen. And, like, little did they know that I ate a few berries from that bush a half an hour before I saw it, or, like, a half an hour before I saw it burning, uh, you know. Or, right. or I found I found these mushrooms on the ground while I was foraging in the forest, and then I came out to this bush, and it was on fire. Well, I, I remember reading a a study, and I'm I'm not sure if it's been a hundred percent proven or not, but the the Salem witch trials. Yes. Yes. Uh, have, have you seen this one? Yes. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you there. Yes, I have. Go no, ahead. you're fine. So the. Uh, Geez, now I can't remember what it is. It's oh, it's ergot. There's this fungus that can grow in bread. Yes, in and rye it, bread, right? Yeah, and it, oh, it has like that. the same effects as LSD. Mm-hmm. And uh, what most of the modern historians think is that these people who thought that there were you know witches affecting their village, they were all just tripping balls mm-hmm. all winter absolutely and they were eating this bread that had the, like you said the fungus because 
like how do you know bread's bad again back then like we're you know we're just chilling in our little in our, well not huts but now their houses we don't have the internet we don't have modern technology this bread that we stored for a month or two we gotta eat it that's the only thing we got right right yeah that, that or starve you guys you start eating rye bread maybe with a little bit of olive oil or whatever you have around a fish or something you start tripping balls what the hell did my neighbor just fly off a broom or like did she just did she just like walk on water you know, and, and then this, and also I know part of it was like fear driven, right? Like, I don't like my neighbor. She's a witch. Now I'm going to take her house when they kill her. But yeah, back, backstabbing neighbors. You know stuff. what I mean? Like, like, oh, I saw, I saw Dan, like say we're neighbors. I saw Dan, he, he walked on water and then flew away. And I, and I just wanted your, you know, sheep and your property when you die. So here we go on trial. You're going to lose. But also, yes, the rye bread. I, I heard about the rye bread growing the fungus or eating it. And then they start tripping balls and they're like just madness in the town. Isn't it nice to live in modern times? <laughs> it is. No, it is. And I, here, here's a funny one. And, and I always hear this from like, I'm not going to generalize. It's everybody, but women, women do way heavy in this uh, area. They always say I was born in the wrong era. No, look, first of all, no, you weren't. This is the one of the best times to be alive. I know it's crazy. I know the crazy shit going on, but like and same thing i'm hispanic like if i was born in the 50s uh, you and me wouldn't have this conversation yeah you know i i would be drinking out of a different water fountain women would be at home and their man would come home maybe become an alcoholic abusive you want to get a divorce they're going to be looking at you crazy like you're a lunatic this is the modern era right now. this is the best time to be alive absolutely whatever problems we have i mean you think about what the World War II generation had to deal with. Mm. Anything we're dealing with is just, it's not even in the same league. No, no, it's not. I mean, we, we do have it fairly well. I mean, there's, like I said, there's, that's not to say there's not issues that need to be addressed, right? And, and I think we're tackling them as we go. But I, if you ask me if I wanted to live till I was 25 or if I wanted to live till I was like 80 to 100, I would, you know, obviously I'd pick the latter. Oh, yeah. You have to start having kids by the time you're like 13. And then you'll get to see them for 10 years. And then guess what? You might die. <laughs> well, geez. I mean, just you know, go back a, another couple generations before vaccines or uh, mm. antibiotics. That's right. Yeah, you like, get uh, or anything or diseases. You get a disease from someone. That's it. And I think it was uh, it was it was uh, either three out of five or four out of five. Uh, people did not live to adulthood isn't that crazy to think about and then and then even crazier now you ready for this you still have anti-vaxxers oh i know like you, that statistic there that you just read you just like shot out to me could you imagine learning that and going nah that's not true <laughs> It's, it seems almost like willful ignorance. Yeah, of course. Like you said, what do you choose to believe? Like you said earlier, that, that's a perfect example. Right. And on, on the other hand, you do have some incidents where, uh, where there have been some shady dealings. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, when, when was it back in the, yeah. in the, in the 80s, I want to say? They had that batch of vaccines that was tainted with mercury, and they just That's like right. sent it off to some third world country. Vaccinated. Yeah, to, to, I remember to, hearing to about poison that. those people's kids. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and even now, modern day, and, and they go further. That's the American way, right? 
We go right, obliterate right. someone else's country, not yeah. us. We were not we here. were this close to to eradicating polio. That's and right. and when that happened, uh, the the uh, people in the tribal regions in Pakistan started rejecting the vaccine. Well, I wonder why they all of a sudden they don't trust it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we go to war. This is this is part of the show. But I, I know you're a historian. Maybe this this is a topic you can you can speak more to. We go to war with all these countries. We know they're not going to come terrorize us. We're not going to get attacked. Like. You know, we're obviously there for resources and other things, right? Conquering uh, and to go even a step further. I don't really wear a tinfoil hat, right? That's not me. Um, but people have to make their money, right? Contractors, um, manufacturers. If we're not at war, someone's right. not making money. Well, we have Eisenhower, who is probably my favorite underrated president. He is. He yeah. is. Yeah. He warned us about this in his farewell address, right? When he That's talked right. about the military industrial complex, because you're right. Um, you know, I myself am a fairly left-leaning guy. Same and yeah. there's a, 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 military, uh, a, a military contractor is one of the major employers in my city. Mm. So now I'm against all the wars and everything and all the military spending. But let me tell you what, when they were talking about closing that plant and my city was going to lose 1500 good paying jobs all of a sudden i'm on the phone with uh you know our local senator's office <laughs> making sure they uh keep that facility in place because right it's, it's again it's self-interest it's of course yeah it's, it's my district don't want the yeah. jobs to leave my district well yeah. the whole economy becomes dependent on that it's it's a self-perpetuating mess it is. It is. And, and, and it just goes as far as uh, as far as you let it, but it keeps expanding. Like you said, you were on the phone with your senator and, it, and it's just something to think about. Like if we're not at war, someone's not making money or or, or multiple, you know, companies aren't making money. Same thing with the prison system, which is the downfall of capitalism. I think that oh, we need it, a, what, a different society. Whoever thought that making prisons a for-profit enterprise was a good idea. I mean, that in and of itself, that's just a perverse incentive. It is. It is. There, there should be a cost to putting somebody in prison because it's it's not something we ought to do lightly. No, but it's, it's, again, one of those things that is a downfall of capitalism. When you think about the system, everything is a money-making machine. Anything, everything and anything, right? Whatever this, whatever the business is, whether it's healthcare, whether it's prisons, how can we monetize this? How can we make money? Who's who's going to pay me to get this done? And if if you mention the government should take over this uh, this service, you are a, a well now it says you're a socialist, but before it was you're a communist, and you know it, it's one of those things. Do, does the cycle repeat? Maybe not just because, like I said, when you get younger, when you get in the younger generations, I, I think it's getting a little bit better. You, you still have the outliers of, you know, far right wing young lunatics. But I think as you get younger, it gets a little bit better. I, I would hope so. Although I, I almost hesitate to think of it even as a left right thing mm -hmm. anymore, because, because I think that the uh, the elites have kind of cobbled on to that. I see. Um, I see. Yes, I so have you this, see. Yeah, I had this conversation. You see last a lot time. of you see a lot of elites supporting faux progressive causes, right? Things that are in the progressive camp, but that aren't actually going to cost them any money. 
Yeah, of course, right? If just, that makes it's sense. It's good PR. It's good PR. Exactly. And you've seen that a lot throughout oh, yeah. history, too. Yeah, um, absolutely. People out there that go on social media and see things that they're outraged about, but they don't know if it's true or not. How do you find reliable resources? Um, I, when I research any topic, I try to find at least two reliable published books on that topic. Now, sometimes that can be difficult. Mm. Um, in my case, only being fluent in English uh, That's right. does limit uh, what's available to you. I, I did a, a couple of episodes on the uh, early Islamic caliphates, and I, I ended up having to buy a, uh, a university textbook. It was just the most okay. boring dry reading ever but it was like the only thing in english that was going to give me like really good detailed information on like the internal politics of the abbasid caliphate okay okay um and you know like people like to knock on wikipedia and i would never use it as a source okay but it's a good source of sources because like anything that's on there has to be reliable they have pretty good standards for what is allowed to be used in a footnote. So it's a pretty, so, uh, it's a fairly reliable source, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you, so like, uh, for instance, I was doing an episode on uh, Serbia in the lead up to world war one and then in world war one, I couldn't find any good books about it. So I went to Wikipedia and I looked at the sources and I keep seeing stuff from this guy named Prit Batar, who's a historian I'd never heard of. And uh, he's uh, turns out he's a British dude of Indian descent, was not even a historian. He was a he was in the medical field and he was just like me, like a history buff. And he was trying to research uh, the Eastern Front in World War One. And he couldn't find anything. He got so frustrated. He uh, took some of his savings, took some time off work and went over to Eastern Europe to study some of the firsthand sources himself ended up writing a four book series on it. And it's like the definitive English language work on the subject. Interesting. Like, okay. never would have found that if I hadn't gone to Wikipedia and just seen his stuff all I over think the footnotes a good source. Like, like you said, it, it's a good start. It's a good starting point. I, I think if you're looking for something and you can't find it in other places, Wikipedia usually has the answer. Or, or has the, the roadmap, right, to get you to the answer. Right, right, exactly. Okay, well, here's, here's a good scholarly source I can now go and read and, and use that. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those, it's one of those things where I, I yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a good uh, point. People do knock on Wikipedia. So if you can't find it, and this is for the viewers out there, if you can't find a reliable source, a quick Google search would usually tell you if something's true or not. But if you say you can't find it, then give it a day or two, it'll be up on Wikipedia. I just saw a post that says Joe Biden is eating babies, right? Is this true? Oh Lord, the internet. <laughs> you know what I, you know what I mean? And and it's not and it's usually not the youth that are, are like seeing this and like, oh my God, it's true. I can't believe it. I'm gonna tell my, you know, neighbor. I, mean, I, I think that's a good point because I think older people grew up like nowadays anybody can just go say anything and post it on Reddit or Quora or 4chan or whatever. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like back in the day, when you were reading something, it was like in the newspaper, it was on the news, like you could trust that. 
Invest and I think the think older generation, like they just see something in print or see something on video. Like you look at some of these conspiracy theorist sites, for instance, mm-hmm. you, know, you watch the videos. They're they're pretty well polished. Oh, yeah. Right? And then put, the put them alongside now? like an actual news video. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, the the oh, what was that deep fake of uh, of Barack Obama? Somebody <laughs> made him say uh you know, Donald Trump voters are dumb as shit. Yeah. And it, like it was yeah. it was they were making a point to say, look, you could you could make somebody say anything. But yeah, like, I mean, what if you have a, a deep fake video of, you know, some politician, you know, fooling around on their significant other with a hooker or something? Exactly. I mean, you could yeah. like derail somebody's career with something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's the dangers of technology. That's what I, I've, I've always thought about it. It doesn't really come up in topic like that, but you, you're right. That's the danger moving forward of technology. And I think, uh, was it Samsung or I want to say Samsung came out with a, a technology that was so good that they didn't release it. They didn't make it available. Oh, good to the for public. them. It was that good. They were so worried about, and, and I might be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure it was them. They, they made a deep fake software that essentially made like any, any picture it, whether it was a still or moving, it would it would turn into a real person talking. But you could have, I think, a, a technological solution to that, too. Like when you say, like, for instance, a, a technology that's too good, well, you could have a legal requirement yeah, uh, that if somebody's going to make a deep fake software, there has to be some kind of watermark somewhere. Watermark Maybe not even something. Counter, right. Right. Or even even just something as subtle uh for instance, maybe a, a little stutter in the frame rate mm. or, or the eyes aren't can't be quite right. Or, I think or the watermark, you make a good point, like put the watermark in the individual, whether it's in on the face somewhere where they can't be cropped out. Exactly. Exactly. And so so that there would always be proof. Oh, OK, that's a deep fake. But even then, yeah, I start to wonder because I have and, and I and I. I have friends on my, on my friends list and et cetera, et cetera, that do fall into these. Like I've just read, you know, like pizza gate, right. they will be like, Oh, pizza gate, Hillary Clinton's really down there with all these kids, um, et cetera, et cetera. And you start to wonder like, how can you combat those kind of people? But it might go hand in hand with, like you said, being willfully ignorant. Yeah. People believe what they want to believe. Mm -hmm. If it fits this, their narrative, then Hey, look, it's happening. But yeah, like you said, that was a good point. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was was just going to add, you know, that we're we're also tribal people. Mm. And we kind of at least have in current times seem to have sorted out like two major groups. And if you sort of subscribe to one group or the other, there's an incentive to just buy into anything that becomes the dominant narrative. Right. Oh, the, the tribe is doing this now. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, it's, no, that, that's true. We, it's we, like we, human nature. Yeah, I was going to say human nature does tend to sway in the tribal category. Like this is my tribe. This is my you know village. Right. My my country, right or wrong. That too. My country. Whether whatever happens, whatever we do. No, that's that's a good point. But I I want to go back to what you said about older people only having as a. Uh, a source of information that was trustworthy because there was no internet. It was the late night news or the morning news. And if they saw it with an anchor on the TV, then it was true. 
or if they saw it in the newspaper, then, hey, that was a true story that really happened. Absolutely. And and the other thing, this this is something that actually came up talking with my dad um, because he he studied uh, journalism in college. And when he was uh, a student in he was writing for the student newspaper uh, for one of his assignments. He had to cover a college basketball game. And he was talking about one of the players performance. And he says, you know, the fine young guard was 10 of 13 from the field for, you know, describing the play and his professor marked him down for it. And he says, why? He says, you, you called him a fine young guard. That's an opinion mm-hmm. statement. This is, this is a factual story we're printing here. That's right. So no bias in the, but like you said, we've turned into, we've gotten trouble. I mean, most, most uh, publishing companies are either left or right. I mean, I guess even at NPR, you could say they're supposed to be the center, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if they're center all the time. Yeah, there, there, I don't think there, there's anybody. I, I mean, if anybody Politico probably comes closest. They do. Yeah. Cause they, they try to, yeah, they try to stay on the facts, but at the same time too, here's another thing. It's, I know people are like, well, these are left-leaning publications, but it, it's hard to it, it's hard to say like, oh, they're not covering both sides fairly when one side specifically, and I'm not talking about corporate Democrats, right? I'm talking about younger generation, the youth. One side is a bigger problem. It's like our our uh, cousin or a brother that you're like, kind of, hey, stay in that corner over there. Don't you know? <laughs> don't bother anyone. Just kind of keep to yourself, and and it's kind of growing. Well, yeah, no, that's like, uh, to your to your point about things being being cyclical or not. Yeah, uh, the era of trustworthy journalism was actually almost unique. Uh, you go back to like the 1800s; all the newspapers are partisan. Mm. Like you still <laughs> see this today with like some local papers in the Midwest. They'll be like you know the. Uh, you know, Bentonville Democrat or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you had these partisan papers, uh, but yeah. And, and you're starting to see it today, right? What, what do you get now? You got the New York post and the New York times. And even like gag, gag uh, magazines, right? Like at the counter, when you go into the grocery store, you think like it, and they look like real stories. If you're an older person and you've only read news, you know, through the news or newspaper or on publication, you see these like uh, I think like oh the, the the tabloids and stuff yeah, yeah. like Obama was with the mistress last week read all about it here and it's like if that's all you really follow when you're older or like that's all you've watched in your youth then yeah I, I could see how that plays into that but on a lighter note here before we before we head out I want to ask you a, a question if you can sit down and have a beer with anyone in history anyone it can be even a dinosaur or before the dinosaurs a microorganism. Who would it be and why? Ooh, yeah. well, see, now if we're expanding these to dinosaurs and microorganisms, uh, assuming I had like a really good protective suit, it'd be awesome to hang out with T-Rex. Uh, I would. <laughs> I, yeah, I'd probably, you know, I'd probably skip that era. Maybe go to the, but even the cavemen were dangerous, man. You, you walk a certain way or actually you wouldn't have any hair on your body like that. You know how they were covered in hair, so. You go into right. the evolution era, you're looking a little funny with not a lot of hair on your body. And they got that protein-heavy diet, That's doing right. uh, all that hunting and manual labor all the time. And you, you're you not walking with the hunch on your back, you're walking upright, a little sus, you know? 
Oh, yeah. Now, historical figures, though, historical figures, if I were going to sit down and have a beer with somebody, man, it, it'd be tough. It, it'd be tough to, to choose, but I'd, I'd have to go with General Patton. And was that? I think he'd have some interesting stories to tell. Uh, he was such an aggressive commander and such an effective tank commander. I, I would really like to hear uh, some of his insights from the man himself and just his whole attitude and bearing. He just seems like he'd be kind of a cool dude to hang out with. Interesting. Interesting. And, and it, are you, are you kind of a war buff as well? Like, and obviously there was many battles in, in our history, but uh, would you say, do you like studying the battles uh, between, you know, civilization between um, tribes? Absolutely. I, I don't think you can study history with, without studying uh, military conflict. That's right. Uh, and, and, and frankly, you know, again, when, when I'm trying to popularize a story, mm-hmm. the battles are often the most exciting part. They are, right? You know, I'll let you in on a little secret. When I was learning about the Civil War, I was—I think I was like in third grade or fourth grade. You know how they said the battle went on for like a year? Or no, for like multiple years, right? When, right. When I was in fourth grade or third, I can't remember. Anyways, one of the two grades, I remember thinking to myself, how did they stay awake that long? <laughs> it didn't register, obviously, like, hey, they're, you know, intense and stuff. Because they didn't elaborate. They were just like, they were, all they really went over was the soldiers were exhausted and they fought for many years and you, I remember thinking to myself it's, how did they fight and stay awake it's funny how kids think <laughs> you know you really but it, anyways that was just a, a fun fact to throw in there and I, I'll answer my own question that I asked that was beautiful right. yeah and, yeah and, really who, who would you who would you sit down for a beer with because uh, maybe like Egyptians because I want to see like how they built the pyramids right and like that's that's the only way to think of. I really like the Egyptian history, the pyramids, and how they were like massive stones, and they built them in a certain amount of time, and the Sphinx, and all these like, you know, well, if, if you do get to sit down with an Egyptian, do me a favor. Yeah. Uh, write a book about it so I can read it, and then do an episode about how they did built the pyramids, because I, I want to know too. And I want to know, you know. Egypt has gone through cycles, right? How wasn't it like a jungle at one point, and now it's like desert? I, I wonder, like, you know how they have hieroglyphics of like higher beings and gods? Same thing. Were they were they tripping balls on like rye bread, or were there pipes of, made of lead and LSD compounds? I'm just curious. You know how did that come about? Right. I, I would love to know. Because, but that kind of imagery you you see it with the mayans you see it with the egyptians you see it yeah. in some of the the ancient hindu art it, it's got to be something universal right like a like a hallucinogen or something yeah something yeah yeah exactly something they were finding when they were forging or what you know anything but i'm just curious to know yeah well dan i appreciate you coming on the show here uh, before you before we log off here where can people find your podcast uh, you can find my podcast at dantollerpodcast.com. That's dan, T-O-L-E-R, podcast.com. Or just search for Relevant History. 
in whatever podcast app you use. I'm on all of them. Or you can just click the subscription links on my website. Perfect. And, and, and the, thanks so much for having me, Manuel. Yeah, no, no, not, not a problem. Glad I'm glad you came on. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, please, uh, yeah, shoot me a, a link to the, the episode and I will uh, let my followers know as well. Awesome. And uh, thanks for coming on again, Dan. We'll see you soon. Likewise. Good talking to you.